There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Have your Bibles, I want you to take the Exodus chapter number 28. Exodus chapter number 28. Good to be in God's house. Amen. What a wonderful Savior we have. Amen. One worth shouting about, one worth singing for, uh, one worth uh, attending upon the worship of God for. Amen. Well, if you've been with us on several Sunday nights, we have been going through a study on the tabernacle. And we have made it all the way through the fixturing of the tabernacle. And now I was planning on going to different aspects of the tabernacle. And I wanted to spend a message tonight on the priesthood of that tabernacle. We'll go on to some of the feasts and maybe some of the, some of the offerings, then maybe some of the feasts and, uh, and go from there. But I want you to stand. Exodus chapter number 28. Stand in honor and reverence to God's word. We'll read the first four verses of that. And while you are looking at your Bible, I want you to hold your finger in Exodus and turn to Hebrews chapter number 8. Hebrews chapter number 8, we'll read two texts tonight. Hebrews chapter number 8. And you just hold that place right there. And so you've got your finger in Exodus 28, which we'll read first. And then also Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 1. So let's read Exodus 28. And verse number 1. And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithmar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. Don't you praise God that He is a God of beauty. Amen. Uh, Verse number 3. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle. And they shall hold, and they, and they shall, they shall make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now flip over to Hebrews chapter number eight and verse number one to read the rest of the story. Here it was instituted, here it's finalized. Look in verse number one in chapter eight. Now the things which we have spoken of, spoken, this is the Son. We have a, such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I simply want to preach, you, preach to you about the role of the priesthood. The role of the priesthood. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, 
God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you so much for your word. God, in the Old Testament, we see shadows and pictures and sketches and types of New Testament truth that is embodied in the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help us, uh, give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding tonight. That the Holy Spirit of God would illuminate these Old Testament truths in our life and our minds and illuminate our path as New Testament priests unto God. Father, we just pray that you would uh, realize these truths in our lives. Help us to conform our lives to them. Give us understanding. Father, we pray most of all for those that may be lost without a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We pray that today that they would leave the life of, of sin and shame and come to be born into the family of God, to be included in such a priesthood. God, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. When I was, I'd just recently come back from a trip to Orlando. And while I was down there, I had the privilege, I told quite a bit uh, uh, to the Sunday school class in Sunday school, I got to visit the Holy Land experience there in Orlando. It's, I, I put quotes around amusement park. It is a park, but I don't think necessarily amusement uh, park. You know, they didn't have the roller coaster to hell or something like that. They didn't have anything like that. But it did have many exhibits Many, uh, many portrayals and dramas and reenactments and displays about biblical lands and times. Well, I come in the front door, grab the little flyer. It was about 10, it was about five minutes till 10 in the morning. And I looked straight for the, uh, the tabernacle. I, we've been studying about it. I wanted to see their display of the tabernacle. And sure enough, it was starting in five minutes. So I beat it across the park to the tabernacle. I sat down and there was this fellow that come out to talk to us and he was dressed in a priestly garment. Had the blue uh, girdle about it. Had this round looking miter on his head. Had uh, the white robes of a priest. And it was, I mean, it was fascinating. It was really just something incredible to see. And after a while, some directions were given. And uh, we went on into this dark room. And we sat in these dimly illuminated benches. And before us was, obviously, it was the brazen altar. And then the brazen labor. And on its side, we had this structure that looked like the tabernacle. It had coverings on one side. And they were kind of pulled back so you could see the side working. Remember those uh, those planks of wood that were engraved in gold and the bars that went across? Well, you could see that there. Now, I didn't know how we was going to see inside because it was facing this way. So I was a little wondering about what was going to happen. And so the thing started out telling the history of how the children of Israel were in bondage and how they were brought out and delivered by Moses and by the high hand of God brought into the wilderness. And there God instituted the, the, uh, the tabernacle and the priesthood and everything. And so I'm sitting there and I saw everything illuminated kind of on the stage there. And I saw, well, what they're going to do is they're going to put spotlights on, on the altar and they're going to talk about it. They'll put a spotlight on the laver and then somehow they'll put a spotlight on the individual things in the tabernacle. We'll get to see it. Well, that's not what happened. As I was sitting there and they got to talking about what the priest's life was like and what they would daily do, all of a sudden around the corner come this man that was dressed in the full 
garments of a priest. I was shocked. He had the mitre on his head. With, we'll read about it later. Had a, had a bar of gold across the top. Had that, uh, that ephod, uh, the breastplate of the ephod with all the gems on the front of it. He had, uh, uh, the, the, the robe of the ephod that went down. He had the, uh, uh, at the bottom of it had the, uh, the little things that hung down, uh, little pomegranate looking things. And I believe he had bells on it as well that's described in the, I mean to the T. I was so, I was thrilled. I really was. And it showed him come in and, uh, take those logs from a stack of wood and begin to stoke up the fire. And, uh, it showed him anointing the horns of the altar and, he went behind it and began to slay, pretend like he was slaying the lamb and brought it and placed it in the fire and, and they had smoke that would come. I mean, it was thrilling. It was amazing. And I, and listen, when that guy come around there in that full uh, get up, he went through those priestly duties and then all of a sudden it hit me. The tabernacle cannot serve its purpose for which it was intended without a priest. You know, we've been talking about all these pieces and all these pieces of the tabernacle and all the beautiful uh, things, the candlestick and the table of showbread and the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant and all the beauty. Well, it would be for naught without the priest. Because what its whole intention was, was to be is not a shrine of enjoyment. Wasn't to be a tourist attraction for the children of Israel to come in to see like I was that day. But no, it was a way of having fellowship with God. It was a means by which God, a holy God, interacted with a sinful man. And as I looked at the priest in all of his robes and garments, I thought about our study. I thought about how, and you see, every one of us is a priest. Did you know you were a priest? Ladies here today, do you know you are a priestess? You are here today. We have been called into an holy priesthood. First Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. First Peter 2.9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You see, every one of us can live out the role of a priest under God by understanding the present day reality, the present realities about of the four aspects of the role of the Old Testament preach. You see, priests, you see, every one of us can live out that reality by understanding this role of the high priest and the priest. So I want you to come and look at four individual aspects of this priestly role. The first thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see the call of the priest. If you'll notice in chapter number 28 of Exodus In verse number 1, he said, Take thou unto thee Aaron, uh, thy brother, and his sons with him. Notice that there was a divine call. God's original intent, when he brought them out of Egypt, was for the whole nation to be priests. That's what God wanted. 
God wanted every member of the family of God, every member of Israel to be a priest in and of themselves. But you know that because of sin, because of their idolatry, God called a specific family to be the priest. And that was the family of Aaron. Notice, first of all, in this call of the priest, it was a divine call. A divine call. In verse 28, we find that it is specifically named Aaron as the priest. Hebrews chapter number 5 and verse 1 says this, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he might offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And then it goes on in verse number 4, And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. You see, just not anybody could volunteer and say, I want to be a priest. Man, I want to wear that ephod. That thing looks cool. Man, I like that big bubbly hat you got on. I want to be a priest. No, 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 no. It was a specific call. You see, the priest was different from the prophet. Remember what the prophet did? The prophet represented God to the people. When Isaiah came to preach, or Hosea, when they came to preach, or Ezekiel, they'd say, Thus saith the Lord. He is presenting God to the people. This is what God has to say. But the priest had a different role. The role of the priest was to represent the people to God. He stood before God in the behalf of the people. Now you wouldn't want... How many of you would want an incompetent doctor? Not a one of us would want an incompetent doctor. No way, Jose. Not a one of us would want a ignorant lawyer. Amen. Man, I wouldn't want somebody representing me that was ignorant. No, no, no. And you wouldn't want a, a you wouldn't want a crooked preacher, would you? No, I won't. I will just like you'd want the best preacher, the best. Uh, the best lawyer and the best doctor, so the people of Israel wanted God's best, wanted God's man to be their high priest. You see, the priest mattered. The high priest mattered to the people. You see, Jesus is the chosen of God to be the high priest. He is chosen by virtue of His resurrection. Listen to Hebrews chapter number 7, verse 23 and 24. Listen very closely. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Paul said down through the years, they've been, Aaron didn't stay the high priest forever. Soon as Aaron died, he ceased to be the high priest and another took his place in that lineage. And down through the centuries, a high priest would come and high priests would die. High priests would come and they'd die. Their, their role as a high priest would have a start and would have a finish. But then it goes on in, in 7, 23 and 24. But this man, talking about Jesus, because he ever, because he continueth ever, have an unchanging priesthood. You see, by virtue of Jesus' resurrection, There'll be no more turnover of priests. He is the high priest to end all high priests. You think about Matthew chapter number 26 and verse 65. 
When Jesus was in that kangaroo court being accused by the Sanhedrin, Jesus made the statement and uh, to the effect that He was the very Son of God. It specifically tells us in verse 65 that the priest rent His garments before the people. Right then, His priestly, high priestly role came to an end. It stopped right there. Why? Leviticus chapter number 21 and verse number 10 said that the priest was, high priest was never to rent their garments. His role as a high priest stopped at that very day. And the role was taken up not from the ironic uh, the Aaronic line, which was the line of Levi. Remember, all the priests were from the tribe of Levi. Jesus wasn't from the tribe of Levi, was he? He wasn't from how he was from the tribe of Judah. How in the world could he become priest? Oh, it, Hebrews is very clear. It takes us back to another priest, a priest without beginning, a priest without ending, Melchizedek, that served the Most High God. Read your Bible, Genesis chapter number, I believe it's 14 or 15, right there in that area. This priest had no beginning, had no end, and yet worshiped the one true God. He is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. A priest that has no beginning and has no end. That is our Savior, the Lord Jesus. You see, He took up the role as the eternal high priest on resurrection morning. Amen. And He is the only high priest uh, ever since. Notice also, not only the divine call of the priest, but also the descendants call of the priest. Look at what he said. Not only Aaron in 28.1, but also thy brother and his sons with him among the children of, in, uh, of Israel, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. It says not only Aaron, but also his sons were chosen to be priests. Why? Not because of their virtue. Not because uh, they were somebody special too. But only because they were born into the family of Aaron. I know that sounds unfair, but that's the truth. That's the way it was. The only way you could be a priest is to be born into the family of Aaron. You see, he was, uh, the, he was, they were chosen as priests unto God as well. They were, they were priests because they were sons. You think about Revelation 1, 6. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6, the Bible tells us, He hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and forever. How in the world, Brother Ronnie, can you call me a priest? I am, I am, I'm a nobody. I'm a Gentile, Brother Ronnie. I don't have Jewish, no Jewish lineage. I'm, I'm a woman, Brother Ronnie. How in the world could I be a priest? How in the world? I'm not holy enough. I'm not, I'm not a special person. How could I be a priest? Well, you can be a priest. Because your your father, your brother is a priest. He by being born into the family of God, you are given that right out of his grace, out of his goodness, you are allowed to be a priest unto God. You see, it was a descendant's call. You see, you see, Christ was our high priest, and therefore he makes us priests. You know, that's what God always does through Jesus. 
Christ was the high priest so that we might become priests. Jesus is our, uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God that we might be what? Lambs of God. Jesus is the Son of God that for the reason that we might be the sons and daughters of God. Jesus is the light of the world that we too may be lights in this world. You see what I'm saying? Because of Jesus, not because of what you've done, not because of how good you've been, not because of your descendancy uh, uh, from the the Adamic uh, uh, line, the line of Adam. No! By virtue of being born into the family of God, you are entitled to the priestly role. That's not thrilling you as near as much as it is me. Amen. Notice second of all, not only the call of the priest, but I want you to notice the clothing of the priest. Now, when I went down there, I was mesmerized. I was mesmerized by the garments of the priest. It looked as though every detail was followed to the letter. I was, I mean, it was like I was there. I mean, I mean, I was there, but it was like I was way back there watching it take place. Amen. Of course, God didn't have, uh, was the dry ice making the smoke. Amen. It was real sacrifices, real blood. But, but the fact is, is it was in every detail, the garments seemed to be and looked like that of a priestly garment. So, but I want you to notice some things about this clothing. I want you to notice that they're clothing of distinction. Look at verse number 39 in chapter 28. 39 in 28. And thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, and thou shalt make a mitre of fine linen, linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. Notice the first phrase. Thou shalt embroider a coat of fine linen. Now we've seen fine linen all through the tabernacle, haven't we? We've seen it in the uh, in the curtain on the outside and inside the tabernacle. We've seen that white linen. And that white linen, if you'll recall, is always a picture of what? Can you name it? It is a picture of the righteousness, the purity of Jesus Christ. It is all, and these priests were to wear these all white garments. It was the thing that was closest to their skin was these white garments. Everything else was put on top of these white garments. When the most high priest went to, uh, was when, uh, when the Most High Priest, when he went into that most holy place, he was only to wear this garment. Christ in his perfect humanity was nailed to the cross of Calvary. That priest would take off the ephod. He'd take off the, uh, the coat of the ephod. He would take off the mitre. He would take off all of the portions of that and only go in there with that one spotless robe of white linen, white linen on the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ was nailed on that cross in all of His perfect humanity for us. You see, it pictures to us the Lord Jesus. Not only a clothing of distinction, of purity, but also a clothing of, a clothing of depiction as well. Look at uh, verse number 9. Here in my in verse number six, I've got little headers that tell me what they're making. In verse number six, right above it, it talks about the ephod. Verse number six, and they shall make the ephod. Skip down to verse number nine. And they shall take two onyx stones and grave them, grave on them the names of Israel. So this linen ephod was a piece of equipment that they would wear over that ephod coat. 
and it would hang on the shoulders and in the front and the back. It said that the shoulders of this on top were made of onyx stones. And on those onyx stones was every name of the tribes of Israel. Six on one side and six on the other. We see that in verse number 10. Six names on one side, on one stone and the other six names and the, and the rest of the other stone according to their birth. So according to their birthright, they were placed on that onyx stone on the shoulder. Now, what is that, what is that saying to us? Well, you remember Luke chapter number 15. You remember that? How that Jesus told the story of the lost uh, of the lost son and the lost silver and what was it? The lost sheep. And how that when that lost uh, that shepherd went out and found that lost sheep, what did he say he did? He put it on his shoulders. Think about Isaiah nine six. We had Brother Dean McNeese preach on that several months ago. How did it says that the government shall be what? Upon his shoulders. His, the strength of His shoulders carries us before the throne of God. Listen, there is no problem. There is no burden in your life that He cannot carry and take to the Father. All the burden of all the children of Israel rested on the shoulders of that priest as he went in before God. You see, also we find that the ephod, the breastplate, the breastplate itself had a series of stones. Look at verse number 15. And thou shalt make a breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod shalt thou make it of gold, a blue, a purple, of scarlet, and a fine twined linen shalt thou make it. Four square shall it be being doubled, and a span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in its settings of stones even four rows of stones. The first row shall be sardis and topaz and carbon. And it goes into all these stones. And look at verse number 21. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve, according to their names. Like the engravings of the signet, every one with his name shall be according to the twelve tribes. So can you picture it now? There is this beautiful breastplate. And on that breastplate are these series of stones. Three, uh, 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 four rows of three. And these are all the twelve tribes of Israel. You go look at these stones and they're all kinds of beautiful and brilliant colors. I was listening to one preacher. He talked about how that that represents the people of God that are near the heart of God. How that they're so different. They're so different. The topaz and the burial and the sapphire and the diamond. All of them are so different. Yet all of them are so on the heart of God. Oh, listen, I want you to know that you're never lost. If you're in the family of God, if you've been, uh, if you've born, been born again and trusted Christ as your Savior, you're never outside. You're never distant. You are always on the heart of God, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus. This breastplate of stones was over the heart. And, and we also see the robe go down to uh, verse number 31. And thou shalt make the road of the ephod all of blue. And thou shalt be a hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof. It shall be, have a binding, a binding of woven work round about the hole as it were the hole of a habergon. 
uh, that is not rent. And the breadth of the hem shalt thou make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet round about the hem thereof and bales of gold between them thereby. So this garment, this outer uh, outer uh, robe that they're to wear, the robe of the ephod, he had those little pomegranates hanging from the bottom. And in between that was the little bell. So everywhere that priest would go, you'd hear him jingling and jangling. Anyway, I was at the airport the other day, and this little girl, she must have stopped in at the little... Uh, the little jewelry booth up there and got her some ankle bracelets and those things jingled and jangled and she was running back and forth and all I could hear was jingle, jangle, jingle, jangle, jingle, jingle, jingle and she's running around. Well, that would be a lot like that priest. He had those garments on and when he went on that day, in that day of atonement, he went into that and did all those priestly duties. He would he would trim the lamps and he would go to the table of showbread, the altar of incense. He'd do his duties. And then finally, he would take that uh, uh, that basin of the blood of the of the the Passover sacrifice. And he would go in beyond that veil. And before he did that, though, he had to take off all of those outer garments so that. That jingling, jangling would be. They'd hear it on the outside. He's working. He's moving. And then all of a sudden, chink, he'd stop. He'd drop off. Remember, he had all, he could only wear that undergarment, that that uh, uh, ro- uh, linen garment underneath into the presence of God. And it would just stop. And he would go in there and perform his duties. He would sprinkle the altar. And, and he would uh, spend that time in worship. And he would come out of that room And all the while the people on the outside would wait and listen to that deafening silence of that high priest in that most holy place. Would the sacrifice be accepted? Would God be appeased for another year? Would He spare us the judgment of our sin? It wasn't long till that priest would come back and he would take up that robe and the bells would start ringing and all the people would rejoice. Another year is gone. The sins have been turned over. It's been a Passover. And, and the, the sins of mankind are rolled over for another year. Well, I think about the Lord Jesus when He died on Calvary's cross. They placed Him in that tomb. The bells of the great high priest had stopped but three days later, uh, three days and three nights later, upon the resurrection morning, Easter morning, He got up and the bells are ringing in heaven. Amen. Jesus is alive. Matter of fact, every now and then, I can still hear Him. Amen. He is alive and alive forevermore. It is the pre, it is a clothing of depiction, but it's also a clothing of direction. Look at verse number 30. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall uh, they shall be upon Aaron's heart. And when he uh, when uh, when he goeth in before the Lord, and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. What this was was the Urim and the Thummim. There's a lot of mystery surrounding these two stones and what they are. But the best that we can tell is it is that they would oftentimes use these stones to discern the direction or the will of God for their lives. The direction, the path to take. You see, now within our heart, we have not a Urim and a Thummim. I don't have a Urim and a Thummim down here. We don't toss them around to find out what God's will is. We simply take up God's Word and we read God's Word. That Word dwells in our heart and with the Holy Spirit in our heart. And He leads us. 
the Lord Jesus is our is 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 our leader. He's the one that leads us and gives us direction, just like these priests. Notice also, we see a clothing of distinction, of of uh, of depiction, of direction. Finally, a clothing of dedication. Look at verse thirty-six and thirty through thirty-eight, chapter number twenty-eight, verse thirty-six. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the gravings of a signet. Holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it in a blue, uh, on blue lace that it may be upon the matter. Upon the forefront of the matter shall it be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon the forehead of, of that they may be accepted before the Lord. This is a clothing of dedication. The mitre was a a hat of sorts. From what I can understand, those guys down there, you think of a a chef's hat. You ever seen a chef's hat and it's got that long tube and then it's kind of got a cauliflower thing on top. Well, it looks similar to that except it didn't have the long tube. It kind of come down real short. Right on top of his head it would billow out almost like a cloud looking thing. And upon the front would be this golden, uh, this golden plate saying holiness unto the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ is the very embodiment of holiness to God. If there was ever a person that was completely, fully, wholly separated unto God, it was Jesus Christ. These garments of the high priest, priest direct us directly to Jesus. Notice third of all, not only the call of the priest, the clothing of the priest, but the consecration of the priest. The consecration of the priest. Now the priests were not only called and clothed, but they were consecrated. They were separated. They were ceremonially declared separate from those around them. In this separation, I want you to notice the activity of consecration. Turn over to chapter number 29 and look at verse number 4. Chapter number 29 and verse number 4. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shalt wash them with water. This is the activity of of consecration. They are to be washed with water at the door of the tabernacle. Now this is different from the brazen labor. How many of you remember the brazen labor? I know it's been a long time ago, but there was a a labor out there, a big basin with water in it, and they would go in there and wash their hands and wash their feet, and, uh, and they would cleanse themselves at that labor. Well, this was different. This was not like that. This was at the gate. This was at the entryway. They were to be washed. And it pictures to us regeneration. Regeneration. Jesus being the true high priest of God was washed at the Jordan River. You see, baptism is very much that same cleansing. A ceremonial cleansing. Jesus went down in the waters of baptism to fall, so that all may be done according to righteousness. He was baptized. He was cleansed. Not that He was any stain or sullen sin. Matter of fact, at the Jordan River, He was taking our place. 
He was coming to the place of repentance, a place of, of cleansing for our benefit, not His own. But He was cleansed in those waters of consecration. And so there was the activity of consecration. You and I, we're commanded to do the same thing. We're going into the priesthood upon our salvation, upon our regeneration. We're brought into that priesthood as well. And because of such and because of the command of the Lord Jesus, we too are ceremonially cleansed, are baptized into, into this priestly role that we see. It's a picture of this cleansing. Notice also, not only the activity of consecration, but also the anointing of consecration. The anointing of consecration. Look at verse number 7. Then then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. So not only was he cleansed, but he was to be anointed with oil. Remember David. David said in Psalm 133.2, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard of air uh, that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. Talking about the day Aaron was anointed. Aaron, it wasn't a little dab of dew with Aaron. Amen. They just didn't dip it over and, and put it on his forehead. No, they anointed Aaron. They put that sweet anointing oil of God and drenched him with that, anointing him for the role of a priest. He was specifically set apart as the high priest of God. Now, I know you're scratching your head now. When was Jesus anointed like that? When was He, when was he anointed? Well, we don't have a, a time when Jesus was anointed as, as like Aaron was. But He did say this in Luke 4, 18, 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, the Spirit of God anointed Jesus. And we are no less. We still need that anointing in and of ourselves. We too are anointed by the Spirit of God in that very same way. First John 2.27 But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye shall not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. There is an anointing on every child of God to be the priest of, to be a priest unto God. This is the anointing of consecration, the activity, also the atoning of consecration. Look at verses 10 and 11. And thou shalt come, and thou shalt uh, cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. And thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Here, there was an atoning sacrifice for sin. Not for the nation. Not for the people of God but for the priests themselves. You see, the priests themselves were sinful people. They needed the atonement uh, of God, uh, the atonement prescribed by God for their sins. 
Similarly, on the day of atonement, the first, uh, the uh, first, a sacrifice was given for the priests and then for the people. If you'll remember, uh, I've talked about the day of atonement, how the sacrifice first was brought for the priests and then for the people. Well, that's what we see here, that this sacrifice was for the priest's sin. Oh, but our high priest, our high priest needs no such sacrifice for he himself is the sacrifice for all sin. Hebrews 7.26 For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. Our Lord Jesus has, has the atoning consecration in and of Himself. Not for Himself, but for us as a people. Notice... Uh, Finally, I want you to see not only the call of the priest, the clothing of the priest, the consecration of the priest, but the commission of the priest. The commission of the priest. I want you to take your Bibles and turn back to Hebrews chapter number 28. Hebrews chapter number 28. No, excuse me. Stay in Exodus. I wrote the wrong word down here. Stay in Exodus 28. My fault. Amen. Working on very few hours of sleep. Still trying to catch up. Exodus chapter number 28. Please forgive me. Exodus 28. I want you to read with me this texting and I want you to notice a phrase that keeps coming up. Exodus 28, verse number 1. Thou shalt uh, and, and take thou unto thee Aaron, thy brother and his sons are with him from among the children of Israel that he may minister, Lord knows this, unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Elayar, Ithmar, the, uh, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, uh, uh, thy brother for glory and beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise hearted, whom I, uh, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may, notice, minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments, verse 4, these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broidered coat and a miter and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons that he may, what? Minister unto me in the priest's office. Note that phrase. Minister unto me in the priest's office. There is a commission, a duty that comes along with being given the role of a priest. An obligation. A duty that they are to perform. Not for show, but unto the Lord. I want you to notice, first of all, the picture of commission. I want to take you back to where I've talked about before, that day of atonement. How that the two goats were brought to the, to the gate. How that the lots were cast on which one would be sent away and which one would be sacrificed. One would be, the lot would fall that the righteous man would take that goat way out, far beyond the camp, never to be found again. He would be released into the wilderness, never to be found. And it pictures to us our sin that has been taken away forever. You see, it would be picturing the sins being taken away. 
It would be uh, verses that, that go along with this. It would be Psalm 103 and verse 12. The Bible says, For as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Micah 7.19 He will subdue our iniquities and, sh- and, thou, sh- and thou wilt cast all, all their sins into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 38 and 17 But thou hast in love to my, uh, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption and thou hast cast all my sins behind my, behind thy back. Here we find that same truth. How that God takes away sin just like the scapegoat. The other goat that the lot fell upon was to be sacrificed. And it was to be given on the altar. And this was to be done year after year after year after year. A year after year they would perform the same task. Why? Blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Only kind for kind. Only a spotless, harmless, perfect man could be the sacrifice for sin. Oh, but then Jesus came. Jesus came. Hebrews 10, 11 and 12. Listen to what it said. And every priest standeth daily ministering the offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he hath offered one sacrifice for sin, uh, forever set down at the right hand of the Father. When I was watching that tabernacle scene, that whole, that, that high priest going through all those things, he, he offered the offering. He went over to the labor, cleansed his hands. He went into that uh, holy place. He took care of the, had, had little light bulbs on the top. It was really cool. And he took this thing and went like this and this and they lit one after another, which was awesome. And they all lit. And then he set that down. And he went over to the table of showbread. And he ministered there. And he went over to that uh, that uh, altar of incense. And he put that incense on. And he worshipped God. And then eventually he portrayed that day of atonement. He went in there. And he put the blood on the altar. And he worshipped God. And, the, and God's presence was in the room. Never, not one time. He must have got pretty tired. Because I never saw him sit down. Not one time. You see, the priests never had a place to sit. Their role was always ongoing. The sin had always needed to be taken care of time and time again. They would perform the same tasks. Oh, but our high priest Jesus at the, at, at his seating at the right hand of the Father completely ended the work of redemption, ended the work of atonement. Finished. It is finished. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. It said that He, after He offered a sacrifice for sins once, sat down at the right hand of the Father. And now our high priest, our high priest is in the heavens. The work of redemption is complete and He has set it down at the right hand of God. You see, in these priestly duties, in this commission of the priest, we see the work of our one true great high priest. Finally and lastly, not only the picture of this commission, but the participation of this commission. What's our part? Brother Ronnie, you just said that all that needed to be done by the high priest was taken care of when Jesus died on the cross. And when He sat down at the right hand of the Father, there was nothing left to do as far as redemption. 
What is our part? Well, our part is to offer sacrifices. See, we're not high priests, but we are priests. We're not ones that go into the most holy place uh, like those priests. We don't we don't stand and intercede, intercess like Christ does at the right hand of the Father, but we are obligated to give sacrifices. What do you mean, Brother Ronnie? Do I gotta start collecting up lambs and cutting the throats and burning them in my backyard? No, no, no. The New Testament is clear what our sacrifices are. There's the sacrifice of self. Romans 12, and I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We are to not only sacrifices of self, but sacrifices of substance. The Apostle Paul, talking to the Philippian church, said, But I have all and abound. I am full, having received received of Epaphras the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing unto God. Do you realize when you put something in that offering plate, when you give unto the work of the Lord, when you give to your neighbor, when you give to those in need around you every single day, that you are offering up sacrifices, sweet-smelling sacrifices unto the Lord. Oftentimes the most, the most, uh, uh, the most dreaded part Oh, of church is when they pass that plate around. But truth be known, it is one of the most sacred. It is one of the most special. Where we may give back to a God that has given us so much. Sacrifices of self. Sacrifices of substance. Sacrifices of celebration. Hebrews 13, 15. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. You know, when Brother Elvis is up here trying to lead us in a song, we're not just doing it to kill time. We're just not doing it to try to uh, lift your spirits. We're not doing it just to try to get you excited. We're not doing it just to try to get something stirred up. We are trying to offer to God the incense of our praise. Our celebration. Our song. And listen, you may not be much for singing. Well, listen, you need to every now and then let a holy grunt come out of your mouth. And thank God your Redeemer offer up sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. Well, you say, Brother Ronnie, I worship God in my heart. Well, that's unbiblical. Amen. Right here it says, offering the fruit of our lips. I'm not saying you I got to all the time be saying something. I know what you mean when you worship in your heart. But this Bible talks about us offering from our lips publicly before the people of God. The praise that is due His name. It's your role. It's your commission. You've been commanded to do that. You've been placed in the role of a plea, of a priest. Don't be derelict in that duty. Notice also, not a sacrifice of self and of substance and of celebration or song, but sacrifices of salvations. Notice in Romans 15, 16, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Part of our duty as priests is to offer up salvations unto God. Salvations of lost souls, sinners that come to Jesus Christ is a fragrant sacrifice unto Him. We've got a duty. We have a duty. A commission to perform 
as priests of God. In closing, when I saw, when I saw that high priest down there, buddy, all kinds of wheels started turning in my mind. I thought to myself, I wonder how much I'd have to pay him to let me get a photo op in that high priest garment. Amen. Boy, I'd like that. I wonder how much I'd have to pay him to get up there to put that garment on. But truth be known, oh, I don't wear a funny looking hat. And I don't wear priest robes. But I am a priest unto God. No, I've never been anointed with all kinds of oil. But the Spirit of God resides in me. I've been separated, consecrated. I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I've been made acceptable into the priesthood of God. I've got a duty. You've got a duty to offer sacrifices unto God. There is Old Testament shadows that point us to New Testament truth in the role of the priesthood of the believer. Let's all stand. Elvis, if you'd come with a song of invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Have you been a good priest? Have you been a good priest? Offering up the sacrifices for which Jesus commissioned us to do? I showed you from New Testament, our role still has an activity. We still have a participation in the role of a priest. Oh, thank God I don't have to go to a priest to to confess my sins. I am a priest. I can come to my high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know what your need and your burden is. But maybe, maybe truth be known, you haven't been fulfilling your role as a high priest like you ought to. God specifically commanded us to perform certain things and we haven't been living up to them. Maybe tonight would be a great time to re-consecrate ourselves. God, I'm going to fulfill my role. I've been, I've been terrible in fulfilling my role as a priest. God, give me strength. God, give me ability. Give me power to be able to be the priest you'd have me to be. Maybe you're here today and you're lost. You have never received Christ as your Savior. You stand guilty before God of lying and stealing, committing adulteries with the lust in your heart, guilty of the murders of the hatred of your heart. You've taken God's name in vain. You've had other idols before you in your life. You're condemned, cursed of God. Oh, listen, God has made a way. God has made a way in which you can have communion with Him, which you can be restored to Him. Your fellowship be restored. He can own you as His own Son. Would you come today and receive Jesus Christ as your ultimate sacrifice for sin and your great high priest? Would you come and repent and believe the gospel? I plead with you. I beg with you to do that today. But maybe you'd like to crawl down to this altar and bring an incense of prayer. Maybe you'd like to come and fellowship with God at that table that we talked about. Maybe you want to come and talk to God about being a light. All of these, all of these we are to participate in. Elvis, what song are we singing? 4.30, I must tell Jesus, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to You in the name of Jesus and we thank You so much for the role that You've given us. Oh God, in Israel, it was only just such a family and such a descendancy and and, and you had to be of the right pedigree, the right, the right lineage to be, uh, what, uh, be this prestigious role. But thank God, 
in your economy now. All of us, we are a kingdom of priests unto you. God, I pray that we would fulfill our duty as though we ought to. Father, save souls in this room without the Lord Jesus. God, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.